Isn't the weather awesome? I don't know what happened, but man, it's so good, and God's so good, isn't he? Got a good rain, cooled off. We got to grill out last night, and it was just so comfortable. Why can't it just be like this all the time? Amen? Amen. The grass would grow. Birds would chirp. I'm not in charge of that. I just want to encourage you. The presence of the Lord is here, and I just want to ask you just for a moment for this next 30 minutes to just surrender your heart to the Lord, to just listen to His Word, to listen to what His Spirit is saying to you. We're not here to play games or play a religious game. We're here to be changed by God. And you know, it's so easy to allow the important things to get squeezed out of our life. And, you know, we live in such a rich society in the United States that it's even, to, it's even easy to neglect or marginalize the things that are even most important in our own life. How many of you know that priorities are so important and learning to set proper boundaries and setting priorities are so important? We learned last week how God has a place for you, that he has set boundaries for your life, that outside of those boundaries, it's dangerous, that inside of those boundaries where God's will is, is safe, is godly safe. Now, I want you to know sometimes things are not necessarily safe, but when God is with you, you're safe. Amen? Are you with me, church? All right. Well, I know that it is the week before school starts, and for all our students, they're so sad, but for some of the parents, I think they're pretty happy. (laughs) Our kids get to go back to school. Yay. Oh, I heard it. (laughs) Um, But what we're talking about today is we've been talking about godly friendships and and listen to uh, those friendships that God leads us to and within the church. Today, we're going to continue talking about kind of how Elijah and Elisha, how it was so important to pass it down to the next generation. And that's what's happening within our school systems is taking this education and trying to pass it and to equip this younger generation. You know, our school system and our government gets it, learning to educate and prepare these kids for what they're about to face in life so that they can be successful and in their mind, our nation be successful. Do you follow me? Same thing should be happening in the spiritual world or within our families is that we should be passing down this inheritance that we've been given. It's easy to see that with our finances, but it's not always that easy to see with spirituality, that we pass this baton down to the next generation. How many of you know that church has changed in the last 10 years? It's changing. We must pass the baton. Our kids must get it. They've got to get it. We see in the Old Testament how some generations got it, some didn't. And I think that that lands on our responsibility, the church's responsibility. Think about the the important things of your life, like trying to keep the love alive in your marriage or keeping relationships together or staying good and close connected to our children or our parents because it takes time. Elizabeth, just, I may not should say this, forgive me if I mess up. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) But she just said this week, when our kids walk in the door, I want them to be noticed. I want them to be acknowledged and to be recognized that our TV show is not more important or that your studying is not more important or that the dog or the cat is not more important, that they are important. How many of you know that when you walk in this church, you either feel accepted or you don't? 
you either feel like we're glad you're here or you don't. There's no, there's no middle ground. Because if you don't get recognized, something happens. You want to be recognized. And when our kids come in, it's got, they've got to be the important thing of our life. And how many of you know that takes effort? Because a lot of times what I'm doing in my mind is way more important than them walking in the door. That sounds so mean. I don't mean that mean. But you know what? It's not. It's like when I walk in this door to this place or to any place, God would say, you're the most important person here right now. You know, it's how he treats us. I'm his favorite. When it talks about favor, godly favor, do you know I've got godly favor? Do you know that you've got godly favor? And what that means is you're his favorite. He would, everything that he did on the cross, he would have done just for you. So when my children walk in the door, we have to make a precedent of learning to give them the time that they need because that time's not going to last forever. And my ability to pass, pass the baton spiritually down will not last forever. That time of my ability to do that will end. Your time of influence eventually will end. And we must pass this baton. Our kids have got to get it. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verse 12. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. How many of you thought when you woke up this morning, you're one day closer to dying? (laughs) That's really not the thought that we have when we wake up and have our morning coffee, is it? But do you know what Paul's saying? Wake up and get to work. Wake up and get to doing what God's called you to do. Wake up and start moving. Because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Paul said it's easy to be in slumber about the things that are important. I want to do the things that are important and I want to place aside the things that aren't. And what's incredible is if you go and you break down your time, you will find that you're probably wasting a lot of your time. I found that to be true in my life, and I'm a very schedule-oriented person. It says in the next verse, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Church, it's time to wake up, and Paul's message here is really simple. And that our success tomorrow is going to depend on how well we steward today. Today I want to talk about stewarding the faith to the next generation. And like I said earlier, the last 10 years we've seen a lot of things happen. And I want you to also think about some of the spiritual generals that have gone on to be with the Lord in the last few years. Let me just mention a few. Oral Roberts, Jerry Faldwell, Derek Prince. Someone that comes to my mind, too, is Billy Graham. He hasn't gone yet, but I'm sure he's ready. I think he's 98 years old. And I'm so grateful. One of of my mentors that really has taught me and has continued to teach me, and through that is teaching you, is Derek Prince. He, he, uh, He died several years ago, but continues. I still go back to his teaching. And I'm so grateful for what, for what, those men that went those men and women that went before us has poured into me because it has changed my life 
my life is different because of how somebody has poured into me. Former pastors that have gone before me. Pastor Chris definitely poured into my life. Pastor Matt definitely poured into my life. It says in Psalm 145, verse 4, One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. What's that saying? That's saying you must share your testimony. You've got to start telling the world how God has helped you overcome. Your testimony is one of the most effective ways of reaching our nation for God. It says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. I'm going to go back to last week, and Brianna, I'm going to embarrass you for just a minute, but she got stranded out in an ocean with an eight-foot hammerhead shark. And I'm going to mess this story up, but from what Ruth Ann has told me is that you just relaxed started doing the backstroke, and started praying. What else could she do? She could yell and scream and just attract that shark to her. Or she could surrender and say, God, you've got this. I know you. I'm, I'm putting words into your mouth, so I don't want to do that. But someone has imparted that into her because the natural response is to go crazy. What went against the flesh is to surrender and to not get excited and to surrender to the Lord. I'm yours anyway, God. Might as well stay yours. What can a shark do to me? Shark, do you know how big my God is? This is something that literally happened. Those of you all that weren't here last week, my children, my child got stranded out in, at a sandbar while the uh, lifeguard started screaming, get out of the water. You can imagine. Last week, we talked about come to the shore. The Lord is asking you, come to the shore. He has these boundaries set forth for you. But it's so important that we help the next generation and start to share with them what God has done in our lives so that they can walk in it and to begin to accomplish what God has called them to do in their generation. I want you to know that the enemy has strategies for every generation. Just as God has a plan for us, the enemy has a plan for us. Did you know that? In Revelation chapter 12, there's a story that I wouldn't want to encourage you to go back to read because we're not going to read it, but it talks about, let me just tell you, it talks about a woman who's about to give birth to a baby. And the Bible says that a dragon stood in front of her in waiting, waiting for her so that he could devour the child. It's clear in scripture that this dragon is Satan. And I want you to know that you have a mark on your back that Satan has on you. And he is waiting to devour you. But do you know what's awesome? God. If y'all didn't know it, our God is an awesome God. And even though the enemy has a mark on your back, that doesn't matter. When we surrender to the Lord, there is nothing that can allow that enemy to get to you. Nothing. He is far greater than any enemy that we may face. But I want you to catch that the enemy is waiting for you. There is a mark on our back the moment we're born. And I want you to know, church, parents, there's a mark on your children. And he wants to devour us. 
Now, I know that's not necessarily good news today. But I want you to know the enemy came to kill, steal, and to destroy. But that God came that he may give life and give us life to the fullest. The good news is there is nothing that the the enemy can do that God can't undo or overdo. Did you know that? Whatever you're facing, God can overcome. God can work it out for your good. Your good. Say my good. Make it mine. God's mine. I am his and he is mine. The promises that he has is for me, is for you. Not for the person sitting next to you, not for the people on stage, for you. You have got to grab hold of that. Once you grab hold of that, we've now got to pass that on to our kids and to our grandkids. We learn as parents and as people to cooperate with God. And then we've got to learn how to pass that on down, pass that faith on down. We can tell our grandkids, we can tell the kids around us, the people that we have influence with, tell them what God has done for us, how he saved me. He saved me, cleansed me, turned my life around, set my feet up on the solid ground. Can you believe what the Lord has done in me? I had to think there for a minute. That's one that goes back to when Pastor Chris and Cindy was here that we did this fun song. Look what the Lord has done. This real That's called a boom chick country beat that most of my drummers and our musicians don't like to do those. Yee. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Yeah, I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Somebody praise him. Look what the Lord has done. That what gets in our hearts, that song is our call to go out to the nation and say, look what God's done. That's my job. I want you to know what God has done in my life. And I need to tell you, You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to have a degree from a Bible school. We can tell the next generation what God has done for us. How many of you know you can't argue with a testimony? Have you ever had somebody try to tell you that what happened to you didn't happen? It doesn't work. You may not want to believe what I'm telling you, but I'm telling you this is what happened to me. And this is what God did in my life. You can't talk me out of that. When God does something in my heart, you can't undo that. Satan will try. The moment I have a chance for him to try to turn my mind around and corrupt what God has done, he'll try. But I want you to know you can't argue with a testimony. You can't argue with a changed life. What we can do is tell that testimony. 
is invite them into our family, here to this church where the Word of God is being taught in our classes and in our small groups, and just sitting down to coffee and hanging out. And if we'll just stick around long enough, you're going to hear what God's done in my life, and I'm going to hear what God's done in your life or what He hasn't done yet. And the door opens when we connect in relationship for us to be able to help the person get through what they're going through. We have a call and we have to be intentional about passing on the faith. Have you ever watched the Olympics and have you ever seen when they're doing the relays, the track? Have you ever seen a team drop the baton? It's over. They can't run back and pick it up. It's over. The race is over. This cannot happen with our generation. We must be successful in passing that baton. And you know what the next generation is supposed to do? Go farther than we went. When the baton gets passed, the baton gets taken from that point forward. We must pass this spiritual baton. baton. I want to talk to you just for a moment about three types of time. The first one is aura. And what this is talking about is a fixed period of time. Uh, like we're, we're right now, as a fixed period of time, we're right now in the middle of summer, right? What'll come next will be fall. And then, of course, winter. And then there's a different kind of time. That is chronos, a designated period of time. And just to give you a simple uh, uh, example is today you showed up for church at 1030. Some of you showed up a little bit later. Never fails. When we do start the first song, there's about half as many people here as about after about the third song. That fixed period of time, 1030, everybody kind of uh, 1040, 1040. But it's a fixed period of time. We start at 1030 every single Sunday. No matter what, we start at the same time, right? Your job probably requires you to be there at the same time. That is a chronos period of time. One last type of time is keros. And it is the present time that God has right now for you. I have talked to so many people this week about how God's timing is perfect and you, you're not about to break. You're not about to fail because God is here right now for you. It feels like failure is right around the corner, but there is a Kairos godly time that God is stepping into your life right now to say, it's not over. Don't quit. Turn. Change. Make a change. Remember the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Marriages fail because of that. You've got to change. We as a church, we as a nation have to change. And God has a time for us right now. You are not sitting at church on the hill just by some coincidence. God has got a Kairos time for you. That may be connected to me. That may be connected to Cody and Jen, that may be connected to Rita, that may be connected to Pete, that may be connected to Burton and Cindy, it may be connected to Jonathan. 
I can't tell you what God's doing within that time, but God has a time for you right here in this body for something incredible. This is not a game we're playing. God is trying with everything He has given, everything to affect you at this time. If you could ever look at the scope of time, the overall, if you remember, we're, uh, what, what did we call it? A dot, a slash. If you remember, you even uh, kind of took what, what we were talking on. We were looking at a book called Doing Church as a Team, and it talks about the slash and how if you look at your time that you're alive, like I was born in 1971, and it's uh, not uh, 2017. I don't want to do the math. But it, it, that slash between those two dates is my life. Right? That dash in between is everything that's been my life. But if you look at the whole timetable of all of time, if you looked at my lifespan, it would just be a barely a mark that you could hardly see. But if you can recognize with God and with time, God has something incredible for you right now, right here in this body at All Good Tennessee on What's today? July 30th, 2017. I don't care your age. I don't care your past. I don't care your sins. I don't care what you've done. God has a time for you right now. So it's your move. God's moved. God's moving. You are under the the roof of a place that the Spirit of God is here. Now, we're not perfect. If you wonder if we're perfect or not, just stick around. We're not. We're people. And we make human errors. Errors. We're not Jesus. But I want you to know that God's here. And he has something great for you. He has a calling. He has a purpose and a plan. He has a will for your life. For you that we acknowledge this time and that we start getting focused on passing what it is that God's doing to this next generation. America needs to be revived. And do you know how America's going to be revived? Through the family. There's no other way. We can try to do all these government programs, but it will all come back to the family. The health of our nation will be based on the health of our family. Let me take it one more step. All the way down to the health of the church. It's so important that what God sees as sacred, we see as sacred. What is val- what sacred mean? What is valuable and important? when we embrace what's really important and what's valuable from God's point of view, then our nation and our world begins to change. Habakkuk, the prophet, prayed, Lord, revive your work in the midst of my years. Revive your work in the midst of my generation. You know what Habakkuk is saying and what God is saying through him is that God has an amazing thing to do right now in this time. Right now. What he told Habakkuk is, I want you to write it down. I want you to write what I'm saying to you. I want you to write this vision plainly. Why? So that people can see it and you can run with it. You need to hear from God. 
You need to write it down so that you can run with it and accomplish what it is that God has called you to do. He goes on to say in Habakkuk that he says, you know what, sometimes the timing may not feel exactly right. It may linger a little bit, but it will happen. I'm doing a lot of pointing this morning. I'm not trying to point at you. I am just trying to point. I think the Lord's trying to, I think he is trying to point at you. You remember the Uncle Sam, I want you. I think the Lord is pointing you out. He is singling you out. He is singling you out. Don't worry. It does, may not happen overnight, but it will happen. His plans for you are good. I'm, I'm kind of stuck. It's time to close. Um, I believe God wants to give us, He wants to give us clear vision and a clear word of how He wants to use our life. We've got to start seeking the Lord in prayer and being in the Word and being connected to the body, and we need to be listening, church. We need to be listening. I want to show you one little quote. Oftentimes, our misery becomes our ministry. What I mean is sometimes you get burdened for something and it winds up being a complaint. God, why is our nation like this? God, why are my children acting like this? God, why is my job going like this? God, what's going on in my mind? And what God's trying to do is to form form a ministry or form a direction in your life to start grabbing a hold of. Because a lot of times the burden that gets placed on your heart is being placed there by God. What are you burdened for? What are you longing for? And it may be if it's with your kids, then you need to start focusing and pointing your heart spiritually toward your children and to impart into them what God has called you to do. I want you to know that God has qualified you and has, has equipped you to help your children have victory in their life. Eh, you don't know my kids. <laughs> I know God. And God is our creator. And God has equipped you to be able to help your children. That's what needs to happen here in the church. Our adults, our spiritual saints and our spiritual adults must pass the baton. They must get active. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel was crying out to the Lord, complaining in his heart. And God gave him a word in, in, verse thir- in, in chapter 37. He stood before the Lord in the valley of the dry bones. And God said to him, can these bones live again? And, and Ezekiel said, I don't know, only you know God. And he said to Ezekiel, prophesy to those bones. I want you to preach to them. Walk up and down the halls and prophesy over them. And you know what happened? Those bones began to shake. And flesh began to grow over them. And what happened? Those dry bones came to life. You've got areas that you need to be praying and warring for. And speaking to these places that have looks like death. Listen to the Lord and start prophesying over them. Wives, it may be you're prophesying over your husbands. Husbands, you may be prophesying over your wives or over your children or over your job or over your heart, over your mind, over your health. 
it's time to get active spiritually, church. We are not a dead church. We're a live church. And we're ones that will speak to the dead and watch it get raised. If you don't know that I believe in the raising of the dead, I do. I don't believe there's anything God can't do. That goes for your children. It goes for your life. It goes for your future. It goes for your marriage. Deacons, we need to be walking up and down these halls prophesying over dry bones. And I'm not talking about anything specific. I'm talking about that there be life in this church. And that we start to see breakthrough and growth and incredible things. Because you know what? God is an incredible God. This is not a place to sit and be entertained. This is a place that should be impacting the world. This size. We don't have to be big. We just have to be connected to the Lord. Do you know that's all it takes? God sometimes will take the big and wind it down to 300. Say, I don't want you to take on those hundreds of thousands with that many people. I want you to take them on with 300. God, are you nuts? Nope, I'm not nuts. But I know how to win. And I know how to give you victory. Will you stand up with me? I want us to go back to what Paul said about awake from your slumber. Will you just bow your heads with me? just want to encourage you for just a minute to just listen to the Lord and listen to your heart. And I just right now in Jesus' name command our hearts to be awakened, our spirits to be awakened, and that our ears be opened, and that we would hear your voice this morning. Lord, I ask that we at Church on the Hill become a church that passes spirituality and spiritual um, wisdom to the next generation. That it not stop here, but that it continues and goes on. And that our old will teach the young. You may be here today and you may need to make that first time decision. It's time to make it. Give your heart to Jesus. Connect to His body. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. You've come in here and feel like you can't do it because of your past. You're not disqualified because of your sin. It qualifies you to need Jesus. And Jesus says, I died for that. I'm ready to rescue you from that. Take that burden away from you. Would you just surrender your heart right now to the Lord and just say, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sin. I turn my heart to you. Father, I just ask you, Lord, to just help us with our families, with our children, with our marriages. And that we begin to take your word and prophesy over these dead bones, these dry bones. And right now, as the pastor of this church, I just speak life into marriages. Dry bones come alive. These broken relationships with our children and with our parents, dry bones come alive. Thank you, Lord.